Um, The scripture reading comes from John 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world and to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. And he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with a towel that would be wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. And when he washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. For so, am, so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, and when it does take place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. And when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Good morning, Howard Brown, the pastor.
pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, as we continue in our sermon series in the book of John, Jesus continues to break down norms, spiritual norms, political norms, and social norms on the way to bringing and establish what I would describe as a new normal. A new normal where being a leader means being a slave. And being a slave is exercising godly leadership. A new normal revealed when Jesus at this meal with his disciples gets up from his place of honor at the table, takes off his outer clothing, strips down and puts a towel around his waist and washes the feet of his disciples. Now, never, ever, ever would an honorable teacher, even the most humble, leave his place and lower himself in function below his own students and followers. It would have been to disrespect the title and function of teacher and risk being disrespected and disregarded. It would make it harder for your students to hear you and trust you. Jesus was not only appearing to make a fool out of himself, but made his disciples feel real awkward and uncomfortable. Peter even says in verse 8, Never, Lord, should you wash my feet. The slave and master of the new world gospel order, Jesus was flipping the script and declaring that my people will need to follow me in the way I serve, to be slaves of love for each other as they are unto God himself. Now being and growing up in the South, all of this slave and master stuff makes me feel real nervous, as it did them back then. We're supposed, you know, I think we're supposed to be progressing, moving on up. And Jesus is saying clearly to follow him back down. The gospel is what it is, upside down, counterintuitive to us, dangerous to our rule and, and rules and maddening to our personal resolutions. But it is the powerful way home in knowing and serving the Lord. Jesus is declaring, follow me to a life of servitude and glory to God. Which, let me tell you, is impossible for you and me unless he is the one who he says he is, our slave and our Lord. And so with this, with a a Lord-Savior relationship, already in place with them, the disciples already at the table with the Lord. The Bible tells us already ceremonially clean. That's why he refuses to wash Peter's head and body as Peter requests. They've already been cleaned up for supper. So this foot washing means something else. What does this extra action here declare about him and us? That he, Jesus, is the slave of our salvation, not just in declaring us righteous by his blood, but in giving us a new ethic, a new way of living to sanctify us, to, to call us to be sanctified, to make those of us who are brand new live and think 
Think about our feet to walk in a new way and new way of living. Peter says this to Jesus in verse 10. Jesus said to him, the one who has, he says in verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus says to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is completely clean and you are clean, but not every one of you. Those who are mine, he's saying, as opposed to Judas, whom he says a couple times in this passage here, and I will not go into that right now, and because Judas is not his, but, but they need a clean way of living, the, the new life and relationship that Jesus has given them. He is calling them to a new way opened up by the cross, opened up by his sacrifice, opened up by his being the Lord, and he is saying, this is the new way of living, Peter, my disciples. He is saying in this foot washing, by dying on the cross, I am not only going to take the dirt of your sin on me. I'm not only going to wash the worst part of you clean, but I am, the, I am here to declare you right before God. God, I am going to begin and promise, hear this, the work of God's free grace to renew you in your whole person after the image of God and enable and empower you more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. You know what it reminds me of when you get those new shoes? When I was in, when I was in elementary school, you know, you get the new Air Force Ones, or in my day it was the white Chuck Taylors. And you get off the bus and the sun hits those things just glowing. And people tease you, or oh, you got some new shoes. You think you're special, eh? Of course you think you're special. And anytime you get new shoes, you know what it's like? You make a promise to yourself. I, sit, I used to sit around the box with the shoes and kind of make a promise to the shoes. I will not walk in dirt. You know how you do in your mind? I'm not playing basketball today. Uh-uh. I'm not going on the court. I'm going to be clean. I'm going to be pretty boy today for a while. You know, I'm going I'm to set back a little bit. My shoe's too shiny. And, you know, you got your, 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 your pants just right, and you're walking just perfectly so those shoes don't get dirty. I've made promises to every pair of new shoes I've owned. I won't dirty you. This pair I'm taking care of. Now, Jesus' ethic is not that easy. Because yes, he comes to wash our feet, to cleanse our hearts and minds of how we used to think and how we used to walk, the philosophy we used to walk in and give us a new one, not to walk in dark and dirty places, but it will not be done to avoid people who are messy and dirty, but to avoid walking in a way that would take glory from God and betray the grace and ethic that Jesus was giving us. You know what Jesus is doing it's like the servants do for Lady Grantham on Downton Abbey. Y'all don't watch that show, get into it. I finally saw a black person on there. <laughs> the family had to go to France before you saw a black person. They weren't in that part of England. It was really bad to be black back then. You couldn't even be a servant in the house. That's terrible. But they had some jazz players in France. So anyway, we're not going to get into that, but... But just like Lady Grantham on Downton Abbey, Jesus came to bathe us 
and then dress and redress us for the occasion to fit us and refit us and better us for life as his sons and daughters, to sanctify us, to live for the Lord. It is his commitment to those whom he has come to serve. Only because of his commitment to first carry out the perfect will of God the Father. Look with me at verse 1 through 4. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already been already put in, put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then verses thir- verse 31. When he had gone out, this is after dinner, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified. And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Jesus was not on his own timetable, but he was a slave. The Old Testament even refers to him. It prophesies about him, the divine servant of God. To glorify God and do what God, the Father, wanted him to do, which was to save and then sanctify and prepare you and me to live for him. To make our relationship with the Father and our relationship with each other more like their relationship. The relationship I'm talking about is the one that existed in, 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 in divine relationship of God within himself, within the three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It was that divine oneness and love between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that led Jesus to servanthood and in turn become the DNA for relationship between you and me. It was Jesus who submitted himself to the Father, who lowered himself to come and save us, that now becomes the DNA for right and one relationship between you and me and each other. Philippians says it best. It says this, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any comfort from love, any participation, word that he uses when he tells Peter, you have no part in me or participation in me. If any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, oneness, right? Just like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And it says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of the other. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now hear this. Who, though he was in the form God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. The Bible says he humbled himself 
By becoming obedient to the point of death, even, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's divine relationship. You know, we don't like that word submission when it shows up in Scripture. To submit to each other. to Wives, submit to your husbands. And, and husbands, in turn, submit to their wives like Christ submitted to, to loving the church. We don't like that word submission. But if we look at the Scriptures very carefully this morning, submission and servanthood is a divine attribute. It is not a second thought. It isn't something, you know, that, that people who are not God do. God himself submitted and served and slaved for his glory and our good. You ever seen people go around, I guess it's old now, this all played out, but go around saying, you the man. And then it gets crazy. No, 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 no. You the man. People know if you the man, there's a great responsibility. You the man. Oh, no. I'm the man, crap. But going, hey, you the man. No, 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 dog. You, you the man. You know, the Godhead is like that. And that in perfectly being God between the three persons, God the Father sent Jesus and early on said, this is the man. And then Jesus in his submission to wash the feet of humans and to die is declaring, God the Father, I do it because you the man. And then God the Father glorify the Son who became the servant and say, you the man. And Jesus and the Father is sending the Holy Spirit. Well, it is your time, Holy Spirit. You know, you, you the man. And the Holy Spirit will in turn turn back to the Son, to the world, and say, he is the man. And then we get an opportunity, a calling to say, God the Father Son and Holy Spirit, you the man. But I hope you get the submissive point here. Jesus came to communicate that God quality of submission as a virtue, divine grace-laden slavery, as good as being an integral and necessary part of the divine plan to serve God, to serve one another, to serve in this world, to think and act for each other as if they are higher than you, and not to think of yourself as first or firstly, that they are the man or the woman with the finger point that makes you feel cared for. Christianity. Being a believer, contrary to these prosperity gospel church messages and ministries, is not about you. It is the one place you can come, aren't y'all happy y'all are here, where it's not about you. It's not your way. It's not your day. It's not your community. You didn't come shopping for the church. You might think you're church shopping and hopping, but if you're a believer, Jesus is shopping and working and gaining you. It's not about you, about getting yours, but about his and hers and ours and theirs, and most importantly, the Lord's. And the thing about Jesus being the servant of God perfectly is that it is not just a show or a theological, ethereal concept or an example. Jesus is not our example here only. You know, we, we, we screw up Christianity when Jesus is just an example. You know, we need to be like Jesus, WWJD. 
That's one part of it. And if you just WWJD, you might not make it into heaven for sure. Oh, really? Yes, if you live life just trying to be like Jesus, you might miss heaven completely. You might not be a Christian if your life is just doing it like Jesus did it. Because you can't. An example is only one part of the formula, and it's not the saving part of the formula. Plenty of people who aren't believers talk about Jesus' ethic and and Gandhi's ethic and Confucius and Buddha's ethic and everybody's ethic, and Jesus is one of them. I am telling you, this this is a great example of servanthood, but it's more than that. And if we live like that, we're gonna miss it. The foot washing. Jesus' submission is ministry. It was effectual. It changed and changes how they and we see the Lord in each other. And it changes what being a follower of God is all about. Jesus says it here in verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And he says back in verse 6 when Peter says, Lord, do not wash, do, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, what, am I, what I am doing you do not understand, but afterward, afterward, excuse me, you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Scripture says the world will know it is about me because the Trinitarian God love will come out to the world when you love one another like I, Jesus, and how I am washing your feet love you. And here's the point. I don't want you to miss, you can't participate and have a part and be changed and into divine submissive love like Jesus explains to Peter unless Jesus washes your feet. Unless Jesus is our Savior and our servant and our slave. Only when Jesus, God becomes this, only when Jesus, God becomes a slave of our righteousness and holiness, do we change. We must be infected and affected and intoxicated by the divine outworking and exhaust of Jesus' God-serving slave passion to save us and to lead us as the master of our faith. It is clear, the Bible tells us that in verse 12, that, it, it, that after he does this foot washing, He gets up and he becomes the master of this very backwards but righteous occurrence. The Bible tells us that after he washed feet, he returned to his place at the table and begins to lead them to what all of this means. And he puts some definition on things. But unless you miss it, I want you to first recognize that when he washes their feet without asking their permission, Jesus is the master, right? He is taking authority to mark them as belonging to him. It's amazing. Being marked by somebody serving you, 
is the life-transforming, eternal work of God? You know, when a slave would become a bondservant, sometimes for their lives, they would put a hole through their ear. One of those big holes. And it was the mark. They belonged. And, and by washing their feet, Jesus was binding them, y'all. He was shackling them, ironically, with his love. He was dropping his love jones on them. He, he loves them and us so good with his grace that we are literally captured and captivated by his unselfish divine love for us. It's so perfect. It's so powerful that it binds you to him. When Jesus died on the cross, you and I stopped being free agents. We stop belonging to ourselves in this world and to sin and the devil. We were signed, bought, and owned by Jesus and those already chosen before the foundation of the world that there was a contract to purchase us and it was signed with his blood. You who are his and will be his and were coveted and contracted to belong to the Lord when Jesus slaved for you, you became his. which means you can't do what you want to do anymore. Because he got up and washed your feet. You can't walk where you want to walk anymore. This was a ceremony of belonging. You can't do what you want to do. You are bound to the wishes and desires of the Lord because he served you with divine grace and love that you could not or would not do for yourself. No one here is a dog. I don't think any dogs in here today. This is notice, so you got to double check. Anybody carrying a dog in one of them purse things? Just making sure. Paris Hilton in church today? But I can't think of a better illustration. You ever seen a really obedient dog? I've seen it where another group of dogs are kind of frolicking around, having fun, the obedient, obedient dog sort of wants to go, but they look up at who? The master with them eyes. Like, I really want to go, but if you don't say go, I can't. You know, when it's time to cross the street, they're a little behind the master and look at them to see what to do next and when to eat and whether to eat. And even if someone else calls them to come, the most obedient dog will be like, well, master, what you think? It is all in their eyes and who they look up to. Now that I've compared you to dogs, let me clean it up this way. Do you know that the base of the dignity for animals we see in the Bible is the leadership and care that animals were supposed to give, get and, and be led by and trained by Adam and Eve? That the basis for our dignity in the created order then is that we would be led by God. Your only hope of human dignity is being a slave of the Lord's righteousness. Because we are being led by God, always looking upward and onward to him in every move and mood and thought. Because we are bound to him as Lord and creator. And Jesus came to restore that bond to be the least for us, to train our souls to follow him. Not to jerk the chain, but to pull on our chains so that we will not become jerks or be jerked around by this world. Jesus came to put us behind a fence of his righteousness and on the relational leash of God's care for us in a dangerous and tempting world. And now because of Jesus here, it is a good, 
it is good news with, with all the images of, of, of being a slave and, and being bound and being captured and being kept. Those who belong to God, hear this carefully, are bound to be what God wants. He's the master. If he's washed you in his love, you are bound to go the way he leads. You will follow. He is calling. He is carrying some of you. The good news is he will not lose us or loose any of us to our own and world destruction. If you're a believer, you, you are a bond slave to the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's a bond that leads us into the freedom of slavery. Christianity, I like that R.C. Sproul in our little elders, deacons class says this, Christianity is a religion of paradox without contradiction. This foot washing is about the freedom of slavery. In fact, another follower of Jesus who comes along later, the Apostle Paul, who calls himself a bondservant of Jesus, says this in the Bible book of Romans, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things was death. But now that you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. The message paraphrase, I like the message. Good stuff in there. It says this. As long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with the right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter, but do you call that a free life? What did you get out of it? Nothing. You're proud of now. Where did it get you? A dead end. But now that you've found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, what a surprise, a whole healed, put together life right now with more and more life on the way. Work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life delivered by Jesus, our master. Look at verse 31 to me. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children. I like he calls them little children. <laughs> it kind of distanced the relationship, don't it? Hey, we just hanging out with Jesus. He's my friend. Little children. You know, people, I know Jesus says that you're a friend of God and all that kind of stuff, and I like that song, We Are a Friend of God. It's a nice song, but at some point, Jesus looks at some men around his age, grown men, and says, little children, right? Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have found loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus' point is that you are not free to follow him like a slave of righteousness until he makes a way free to free you to love one another as he has loved you. Until he frees 
and makes a way for you to love him and be his disciples in this world, you are not free. In fact, it is not until Jesus' servant work is done and then sending the Holy Spirit as a result of his finished work that, that the way to serve the Lord is made possible. In fact, Peter, the denier, later he says, Lord, I'll die for you. And Jesus had already told you, you can't go where I can go. Jesus, I will die. And Jesus like, you know, you'll deny me three times. Peter like, huh? Could you see the other disciples looking at Peter, standing up with pride? I'll die for you, Lord. I don't know what these rest of these dudes are doing. I'll die. I don't know who's deceiving you. It isn't me. And a lot of commentaries believe, commentators believe that when Jesus says, you know, there's one among you who is going to betray me, that Peter takes this opportunity to prove that he's not the one. Lord, I'll die for you. I'm not whoever you're talking about. Jesus says, you're going to deny me. Now, here's the incredible thing. Jesus goes, Peter denies, Jesus goes to the cross, dies for Peter, sends the Holy Spirit, and the denier Peter, after the Holy Spirit comes because of the finished work of Jesus, he stands up among thousands of people in the face of persecution, preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people come to Christ. Peter! Now he's talking about two separate things, right? You can't go where I go because you can't die on the cross and open the way of righteousness. And you can't go where I can go until I actually go there. His love, his service, his courage, his ministry to other people in the body and to the church precedes yours. You just walk in the way that he has blazed. Where are you going to go unless Jesus does it first? Here's the deal. He doesn't blaze a trail with like GPS, right? Where, okay, I'm doing this example. I'm washing feet. I'm the servant. I'm the slave. Y'all heard the message. Here's the directions for Christian living. Here you go. Good luck. I'm going to heaven. It wouldn't be good luck. It would be bad news. If Jesus was like, I'm gone. Y'all got my example. Wash feet. Do what's right. Just do good. Be good people. Everybody has God in them. Just love. Here it is. You can't go unless he's gone. You see, we're not talking about holy GPS on how to be a good Christian. Jesus is not giving us example only, like Hansel and Gretel style, right? He is lining the way forward with morsels of his grace that as we eat of his grace and only as we eat it and let him feed us and touch us with his love, are we growing and walking away from sin, from bondage, and into a life in which we want to and are free to obey God and love our neighbors only as we are addicted and enslaved to the taste and flavor and offerings of his grace that he in his serving of us has left over, do we actually move forward? How will we ever be free from this or that? And how can we follow and have courage for Jesus and free to love people and wash feet like Jesus? You must follow the way of freedom set only by Jesus, but in Jesus. I'm talking about his word and his fellowship and his prayer. I mean, this is what's happening. They are reclined at the table. The table's like probably one of them Asian-looking tables real low. Take shoes off, pillows and you would lean with your right arm on the table and eat like this, and your feet would be behind you.
You and I, to be free to be Jesus's, must recline at the table of God with our feet open to be washed, not only by him, but by others. Are you in the way of God's grace? I'm asking you now. Are you at the table with other believers and Jesus, facing them in a way that Jesus and they use like Jesus are easily, can easily get to your feet and serve you and where you can easily get to the table and eat of God's grace? You think we're making a joke or making a, 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 a nice suggestion about community groups and prayer groups and Bible studies and, and seeking elders for issues? Let your feet hang out and let your mouth and hunger hang over the table of God's grace. Recline. Humble yourself. Expect to be fed and served and serve. And believe it or not, in the faith that is, that is a submissive position, cause it in turn frees people to care for you in the way God has called them to. You know what I'm thinking? We must be, create more surface area in our lives to be served, to be loved. And then we must get up from our self-feeding and care for someone else who has opened their mouths and feet to you. Their needs and their goodness, what, what they can tell you about themselves and what they can't see. The foot washing, I, I've been in foot washing services. It's about humbling and freeing and letting yourself go in both ways, Right? You know what the worst part of a foot washing service is for me? Someone to have to wash my feet without warning. Showing up, hey, it's a foot washing service today. Great. Good thing Jesus didn't tell them. I would have cleaned my feet first. I would have had a pedicure or something. I could let the Lord look at my banged up feet because honestly, I would be embarrassed. Some of my shoes... Lord, y'all, I take my, my shoe off and it's going to clear the room. And my feet are worse. If the shoes smell it bad, the feet stink too. You know, I have been to a foot wash service. The worst thing that can happen is for you to put your feet in a fresh basin of water. I mean, the thing's clear, right? And for the basin to turn cloudy. And then the look up at you, you put your foot in, cloud and dirt. Oh, when the last time you washed? And then for them, they always use a white cloth. Oh, my goodness, Christians in white. <laughs> and they come with the white cloth and they dry your feet and that white cloth be black. I'm like, great. They know I'm nasty. It is humiliating to see and know just how dirty you are and for someone else to see it and have to deal with it. Feet are like people's lives and hearts. You know, it is also hard to not gag. I've been to them foot washing, and I've done the washing too. It's hard enough to gag when you see that cloudy water. And you look down the line at the corns on people's feet. Lord, have mercy, stuff be banged up. And you can't help but think and know that something just won't have to wait till Jesus comes back to transform. <laughs> and that's true in people's lives. When they share stuff with you, some things won't get better till Jesus comes back. They are way too banged up. 
But you notice the way people have been worn and tired and walking in all the wrong ways and places with all the wrong shoes or who can't afford shoes or who just did it for the fashion and now their feet are banged up. And those who don't care for and have neglected themselves and those who have had their feet stumped on by abuse and those who are vain and have worked hard to care for their feet on the surface. You will get to know people and why they need the Lord so badly and honestly. Let me say this. Christianity is an impossible religion if followed to its rightful end. It is impossible for you and me to be that exposed and that free with our lives. It is impossible to get happy and be confident about doing feet, but worse, doing lives. You know, pray for your elders. Pray for your men, shepherds, and community groups. Pray for husbands and wives, because, man, in those relationships, the, the shoes come off. And you get tired of feet. You get tired of smelling people stink. Heck, you get tired of smelling your own. And Christianity is a, is a shoe-taking-off religion. Pray for each other. Encourage one another in the Lord. Wash each other's feet. Care for one another. You, it's, it's so easy to get tired to just say, I'm keeping these shoes on. I don't care. And socks too. We got a lot of mess in our lives. But when you are a slave to Jesus, a miracle happens. That Jesus' masterful servanthood has made a way for us. Humility becomes joy after a while. And fear turns to faith. And covering becomes confessions of sins. Lying becomes truth. Darkness becomes light. And hiding becomes freedom because of what Jesus did for you in first washing your feet by saving you and continues to do and cleansing you. You and I are bound to be free to do it for one another and have it done for you. And if not, aren't if you're not free and freeing, not only must you ask yourself whether you are truly bound to God through Christ's finished work and not your own, but whether you are following the supernatural morsels of God's grace that Jesus leads to have your feet washed. When Jesus comes into your life anew, or in a fresh wind of his spirit, it's like, it's like letting the God spa into your lives and your home. No better. It's like those hair party things that Jill has with the women. One time I rolled up on one of them parties. They're all out on the porch, foil in the hair, but happy. How are you going to be out in the street with foil and rollers in your hair and be happy? Go inside, right? But they were happy, just sitting there loving on each other. Well, I think you should do this, and this is nice. And I'm like, what is going on? She does her hair and color, and they start grooming and advising, eating and drinking, and encourage each other about what their new and extreme cut looks like. You look so good, or try this, or this looks better. That ain't the right look for you in each other's lives and hair. She comes into folks' home and starts a version of a foot washing, a hair saloning, or something like that. And it changes people. Jesus said this in Revelation. Behold, stand at the door and knock. If you want, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. I promise you that if you not let, not just Jill, 
but ultimately Jesus in. It will be one of passion and podiatry for your soul, your life in this community.